Hello and welcome to the Better Presentations, More Sales podcast. My name is Trevor Lee and this is episode 176 and I'm recording this on Sunday, August the 8th, the day the Tokyo Olympics drew to a close. So I thought, this is very topical, how can I think about sharing some ideas with you as a presenter that you can learn from the Olympics? So that's what this episode is all about. It's called The Olympics Lessons for Presenters and Pitchers. So welcome, everybody. This is episode 176 of the Better Presentations, More Sales podcast. And uh, if you haven't listened in to the last few episodes recently, you've missed some absolute crackers. So last week we had the world's best buyer persona system with Stormy Andrews, had bulletproof selling with Sean Rhodes, I've had Simon Trevathan's three-minute public speaking masterclass, and Michael Reddington talking about your listening skills and taking them to a new level. So all fantastic stuff. And in the show notes for all of those, I've put some questions that they raised in the podcast that you can ask yourself as a business. And that's what I try and do with the podcast is that I try and make sure that you get some real value out of it, some stuff that you can put in it. So one of the things I'm trying to avoid at the moment is people who just want to come on the show and just talk about themselves. And I'm getting quite a few inquiries on that basis. And I'm kind of saying to them, okay, well, where's the value to our listeners? (laughs) Okay, So I'm not really interested in whether people have made 30 billion pounds in a year or whatever they've done. I'm only interested if I think that you will get good value out of it. So I hope you enjoy listening to the podcast and please do leave a review. That would be absolutely fantastic. So as you know, I like to intersperse guests with my own thoughts and ideas. So it's the Olympics or it has been the Olympics. You know, I'm recording this, as I mentioned earlier, Sunday, August the 8th, the Olympics in Tokyo finished today. So think about it, you know, I mean, I'm a big sports person myself. I don't know whether you are, but we can all learn, I think, from comparing the Olympics with what we've got to do as a presenter or pitcher. So that's what I want to share with you today in today's high-energized, quickly-focused podcast. So when you think about it, the Olympics, they come around every four years. I know the latest one was five years, but that was exceptional, of course. And if you think about it, if you're you know, someone who's trying to compete at the Olympics, you think about the journey that you've got to take. So goal number one, of course, the Olympics have qualifying standards, I believe, in all events. I'm not 100% sure, but I believe it's in all events. So the first thing, of course, you've got to do is you've got to do all the training and the preparation to get you in a position so when the day comes for qualifying, you can hit the qualifying standard. And then, of course, you've got to hit that qualifying standard in a lot of cases at a certain time. Some countries, like the States in particular, have Olympic trials. And if you don't perform during the Olympic trials, then you're not going to make the team. You could be the current Olympic champion, the current world record holder. But if you don't make it at the qualifying time. So that's number two goal. And then once you've qualified, of course, one of the big goals is to stay injury free. Because, you know, there were a few people, weren't there, in the Olympics who didn't really perform. You know, over here in the GB athletics team, we had a few people who we were expecting to do really well and it was clear that they were carrying little niggly injuries and you know that ultimately they were never going to be able to get in the medals because of that so staying injury free is a clearly a big goal number four is then of course trying to time it because you know you've been in this four-year cycle and you want to hit your peak performance during the olympics don't you during that time that you've got there 
And of course, in some events, you know, well, in a lot of events, you might have to qualify, get through heat, semi-finals. So you've got, you know, that's the next goal, isn't it? Is to get through the heat, then get through the semi-final. And then if you're in the final, well, you know, you want to be winning a medal. And then, of course, the ultimate goal is to win the gold medal. So think about the fine margins that are involved in this. You know, if you look back through the Olympics, there was, I, I remember seeing the sprint kayak and the bronze medal was decided by one hundredth of a second. In the 4 by 400 meter relay, the gold medal was decided for men by one hundredth of a second. If you preempted the, you know, if you got off to a, a false start, <laughs> just that momentary reaction where you just, you can't stop yourself and you just go too soon, you're out of it. And that happened to Donald Hughes in the GB team in the 100 meter final where, you know, it was set and then he just went that fraction of a second too soon and he was disqualified. And all the preparation you've done, you've got to the final and then you're out of it. So you're red carded and you have to leave the area and then they start the final without you. I mean, God, that must be so gutting for that to happen. And then, of course, you can slip up, can't you? You know, the Netherlands runner, Safan Hassan, Hassan, who won the gold medal in the 5,000 metres. She won the gold medal in the 10,000 metres. She won the bronze medal in the 1,500 metres. But in one of the, I think, the semi-final or even one of the heats of the 1,500 metres, there was a fall in front of her. And she was taken down by the fall. So she actually <laughs> fell during the, it was the beginning of the last lap. And miraculously, she managed to get up and really raced through the field and actually won the heat despite the fall. And then, of course, there's the moments of indecision, isn't there? Especially, you know, the, the relays are all about this, aren't they? Where, you know, you just, the relay runners, they, they go a little bit too early or the baton doesn't get handed over at the right time. And that can make a difference. And, of course, in a lot of the technical sports, you know, if you just make that slight misjudgment, you know, in the rowing or whatever it might be, you can make that slight moment of indecision and, of course, things can go against you. You know, when you think about it, you know, making a great presentation or a pitch, you know, I mean, crikey, when you consider that with the Olympics, it sounds easy, doesn't it? Because you think about the timing, you know, we're not looking at in hundredths of a second, are we? But if you've got a 20-minute slot, you need to make sure that you don't go beyond 20 minutes, and, you know, think about the number of presentations that you've sat through where someone has delivered their presentation in 25 minutes when they've only got 20. I mean, God, <laughs> that is way out timing. You know, talk about the Olympics and it's hundreds of a second and you've taken five minutes. That's 25% more time than you should have done. So, you know, crikey, you know, you can get that down to a fine art, surely. You know, remember my top tip. When you're practicing, deliver it in 80% of the time. And of course, you know, you can have a wobble at the start of your presentation. It might not quite go as well as you want it to. And but you can recover. Now, of course, in the Olympics, you get a bad start. You may not recover. You may be too far behind or you may have been disqualified because you've, you've had a false start. So the good thing about a presentation or pitch is that you can recover from a poor start. And the thing to do, of course, is to try and not let that poor start get on top of you. You think, oh, God, I've really made a mess of this. And one of the things about a poor start when you're delivering a presentation or a pitch, of course, is if you try and be, well, A, a bit too clever. You know, don't, you know, think about those jokes that you might think, oh, I'll tell a joke at the beginning of my pitch or presentation. It doesn't really work very often, does it? Let's face it. 
you know, and don't ramble at the beginning because that will give you a poor start as well. So, you know, again, I think when we're doing a presentation or a pitch, we often think that, you know, the middle bit is the most important bit, the core content. Well, it isn't. It's the start and the finish. That is the really important bit of your presentation. And in the Olympics, it's often, you know, in a race, it's often the start and the finish because the middle bit, you're consolidating. And that's what we need to think about in our presentational pitch. So get a really good start, a really powerful finish, consolidate in the middle. And, and very often when I work with people on presentations and pitches, I notice that they tend to think the middle, middle bit is the most important. That's where their focus is. It's not. Because remember, you know, the start is what engages your audience, gets you you on their side. They make up their minds early on, don't they, if they're interested in you or not. And the finish, of course, is where you're asking them to do something, the call to action. The bits in the middle, I reckon they'll forget most of the time, especially if you put too much in there, what I would have called in other podcasts the kitchen sink approach. And remember, you know, three messages in there maximum in that middle bit. If you put more than that in, they're not going to remember it. And one of the things I say, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, I was out on a little, little run, on a little club night run and I was talking to somebody about this and we were comparing delivering a presentation or listening to a presentation with going to a you know and I said you know I bet you can go and see a comedian and you can leave there thinking wow that was great you go to work next day and you say oh I went to see this comedian last night fantastic you know oh it was they were so great and then somebody says okay well um you know tell us one of the jokes then and of course you can't remember any of the jokes but you can remember how great it was. And that's exactly what a presentation should be like. It's about a perception. So, you know, you are there to create a perception. You're not there for people to remember the core content of your presentation. So think about that. And then, of course, you might slip up. You know, you're thinking, oh, I've forgotten something or I didn't do that very well. Or you pressed the wrong button or whatever it might be. But, you know, remember again. In most times when you forget something, you're the only person who knew that you'd forgotten something. And if you press the wrong button, well, you'll be able to get out of that. And people still do when they're delivering virtually and things like that. And particularly, you know, remember the in-person presentations you've sat through and no one can work their clicker and all that nonsense. So it's not very professional, but if you do mess it up, you can get away with it because a lot of most people do it anyway. And, you know, if again, if you if you just, you know, if you kind of make that slip up, it will... Not be apparent, I don't think, to your audience. The best thing to do is just move on and not draw attention to it and say, oh, oh, uh, oh, I've clearly forgotten something here or oh, I slipped up there, you know, whatever it is. Just ride roughshod straight over it and move on. Only you will know that you've done that. And then, of course, you know, indecision. Well, you know, times there will be times when you're a bit indecisive in your presentation. And again, you can, you can get that sorted out. I mean, one of the things where people get a bit indecisive is doing the Q&A. If you've got a Q&A with your presentation or a pitch and you get asked a, a question you don't really know the answer to, you know, how many times do you see someone try and then work their way around an answer? So they go, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, well, I think the answer, yeah. And of course, you know, it's clear that they don't know the answer. So don't do that. Park it. Because, you know, if you park it, you've got a great excuse for going back to that person. You could say, Trevor, that was a great question, but... Um, I'll have to go and find out the answer to that because I want to make sure I get it right for you. So I'll go and find out the answer and I'll contact you after this presentation or pitch. And that is a really great way of then re-engaging with that person because chances are they're going to take your call or, you know, that, whatever you're going to do to re-engage with them. So, you know, think about it. So, you know, next time you've got a presentation or a pitch, think about also back to the Olympics 
you know, these guys and girls are preparing for four years. Now, how long do you take to prepare for your presentation or pitch? Four years? I doubt it. Four months? Probably not. Four weeks? Well, hopefully, yes. What about four hours or even four minutes? <laughs> I've seen people who literally have prepared their pitch or presentation in four minutes and then wonder why it didn't work or it wasn't successful. So, you know, you have to get that bit right, don't you? You have to do that. And of course, you know, don't forget, you say, well, Trevor, you know, the, you know these Olympians there are competing against loads of others for the medals, but you could be as well. Because if you're, got a, if you're doing that presentation or pitch, there's a very good chance that someone else is as well. So treat it like that. Think, right, there's three of us. So we're on the podium, but actually, unless you win the gold medal, you'll get nothing. I remember someone saying, you know, first is first, second is nowhere. And that is true if you're doing a presentation or pitch, because unless you're first, you haven't got any business. Now, in the Olympics, coming second or third, fantastic. You've got a silver or bronze medal, and you'd be enormously happy with that most of the time and really proud of it. But in business, you know, coming second or third means you haven't got business. And okay, you might win it because, you know, somebody might go with a person they thought was the best pitch or presentation, and it might not work out. And you came second and you still get the call some weeks later and say, oh, Trevor, you know, um, I know we didn't hire you at the time, but, you know, it hasn't worked out. And so we're keen to talk to you again. Now, that might happen. It's not going to happen all the time. In fact, it's going to be probably quite infrequent. So you have to make sure that you you get that bit right, don't you? So have a think about that. You know, you're going there for that Olympic medal. You know, so how can you make sure that you increase your chances? Well, I think, you know, learn from the way people at the Olympics have prepared. They've dedicated themselves to getting that right. Now, you don't have to do it for four years, but I reckon four weeks is what you should be thinking about for your presentation or pitch. Because that should give you sufficient time to practice it enough not to mess it up and enough to get the timing right and get the messages right and everything about it. Now, if you want to work with me, I can help you get that right. But don't give me four days notice and, you know, contact me and say, oh, Trevor, we've got a key presentation in four days time or even four hours time. All right. Try and give me four weeks notice because then we can work on it. And, you know, and that that proves the best way of doing it. So I can do some one-to-one -one coaching with you or one, or one to your little team coaching, you know, 60, 75 minutes, maybe 45, depends on it. And we might have a, two, three sessions. But have a look at my website, trevorleemedia.co.uk. I've got some very exciting products on there that, you know, uh, when I say products, I mean services and the way we construct it. So it's all very fast-paced. It's all very focused. There's no faffing around if you work with me. And I'll challenge you to be really good. OK, and I'm not going to nod my head and say, oh, that was brilliant, you know, when I know it's not. So if you want to, you know, if you want to be challenged, if you want to get good at doing this, then you work, you know, work with me or consider working with me. If, you, if you're happy to, you know, mooch along or you want someone to come on and say you're great and you're doing a really fantastic job and it's going to be brilliant, then maybe I'm not the person to do that for you. All right. So there we go, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that was interesting. And remember, you know, on my website, you can also find and download for free my seven steps to your pitching or presentation gold medal, for want of a better term. 
Remember that seven-piece circle, those seven steps, the purpose. Why are you presenting? What do you want the outcome to be? The people, who are your, who's your audience? And remember, it's all about putting yourselves in the shoes of your audience. And then the preparation. You know, and in the Olympics, you've got to get the right kit. You've got to get the right shoes, the aerodynamic shirts, all that sort of stuff. da di da di da It's the same when you're delivering your pitch or presentation, particularly if you're doing it virtually. And then step four, the planning, you know, which is the flow, which is the start, the core content and the middle. And we've talked uh, the core content and the end, the big summary. We've talked about that as well. I'll show you also a top tip on how to do a, a Q&A. And, oh, well, I'll tell you that top tip now. Come on. The Q&A, don't do it right at the very, very end. OK, top tip. If you're doing a Q&A, save your last minute of your summary and, bef- and then do the Q&A before it. Because sometimes the Q&A is a bit flat. You either get no questions asked or you get rubbish questions asked. And don't forget, have a couple of questions up your sleeve to ask yourself, rhetorical questions, because that's always, you know, helpful. All right. And then, of course, there's PowerPoint and all that stuff. That's step five. Please don't use loads of words on slides. Oh, it's just a nightmare, isn't it? You know, don't do the words on the slide. Start with one word and see how you get on. And if you've got your presentation sent to you by your marketing people, then challenge it. Okay. Because no disrespect to marketing people, but they're not the ones who've got to win the pitch or deliver the successful presentation. And most of them have not been trained on how to put a presentation together. They've no idea. They just think they have to put make it look pretty and put loads of stuff on it. It's not. That's the way to do it. Okay, don't do it like that. And don't put all your logos on every blinking page either. Right? <laughs> Am I ranting now? Um, and then practice is step number six. You know, two or three run-throughs, 80 to 85% of the time in practice. Do it properly as well. If you're going to deliver this standing up, practice standing up. Don't slouch in your chair and, oh, that's okay, I'll walk through that. And then there's your performance. It's about being authentic, isn't it? It's about bringing your A-game to the table for however long that presentation lasts. Being the best of you and a bit of passion and a bit of energy in it as well. There we go. And finally, of course, you know, Don't forget, and I've mentioned, I've kind of alluded to this already, but the one thing I forgot to mention is that a lot of Olympic athletes, Olympic performers, Olympic divers, whatever they are, they have a coach, someone they can turn to and help them. And in business, I don't think we use coaches enough. We tend to see them as an unnecessary expense rather than a worthwhile investment. So there you go. If you want to invest in some top quality coaching for your pitch or presentation, do contact me. You can find me on LinkedIn or you can go to the Trevor Lee Media website. There we go. So the Olympics is happening again in three years' time. So you've got three years (laughs) to get ready. But in fact, you can deliver a great picture or presentation much quicker than three years. So enjoy doing that and just put your Olympic hat on sometimes and think, yeah, if I was going for the Olympics, if this was the most important presentation or picture I'm going to deliver in the next four years, three years, whatever it is, how would I do it? And if you go in with that attitude that every presentation or pitch is the most important one, it will get, you will win more. And why settle for, you know, a 25% win rate when you could have an 85%? Right, there we go. I hope that's given you plenty to think about. Right, next week, next week, episode 177, I've got Tyler Foley. Now, Tyler um, was a stuntman. He was an actor. He became an engineer. Uh, Interesting guy, okay? (laughs) And he's going to help you speak with confidence and all sorts of top tips and all that. So look out for that episode as well. 
Uh, he's also got a book called The Power to Speak Naked, but I don't quite know uh, why that. I think that's a title that gets a tra- gets attention. There we go. Right. Okay. So we'll look out. We'll look out for Tyler next week. In the meantime, leave a review if you like listening, and do share the idea on podcast. And if you want to mention the podcast on LinkedIn and give me a shout out, that would be enormously helpful and really, really appreciated. Right. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.